Yo, before we get into this podcast, I want to ask for a huge favor from you. And that is if you have or you are getting value from this podcast, if you were to leave us a review or subscribe, it would mean the world. And quite frankly, selfishly, it's because I want to, we want to continue sharing these conversations, this medicine with the world. And when you leave a review, when you subscribe, it's a vote. And we would love to have your vote. Nonetheless, thank you so much and enjoy. Mr. John Boyd, how are you doing today, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing great. It is wonderful. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. I haven't got to spend too much time outside today, but it's you know sunny Florida, so we got some some nice warm weather. I'm, I'm ready to get in, pumped. In. Once this is done, I'm actually running straight outside to get some movement in, so I'm pumped. You know, I'm pumped. <laughs> Dude, you inside my brain right now because that's what I was thinking about too. I've um, I basically worked all t- day today and seen this beautiful tree out here, and just like I just want to get out here and do stuff. So I'm super stoked. you've been been doing all kinds of sick stuff man I'm I have to tell you every single time I see your work I'm even more greatly impressed by the level of acrobatic intuition that you've have and you've developed over from the time I've met you to now and with your hand balancing practice and everything else and also the mentality that you bring to not only your movement but in general as a person I always look to you as a source of like inspiration and just a consistent fortitude of love and openness towards the people around you. And I'm curious, what brings you to the point where you find yourself being so like steadfast, full of love, but also like really committed to what you're up to? Ooh, um, I honestly, I think it's two things. Um, one is my wonderful parents that I grew up with. Um, they're really an interesting balance because my mom is very um she can be very outspoken but she Mm -hmm. always stands for what is right like always and she was always like a machine so she was always go 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 and my dad is like one of the funniest people and i'm one of the kindest spirits and like he's like that guy that knows everybody like at all the gas stations and all the supermarkets so like look like growing up with them like that inspired me a lot to use my voice and, and try things and get out there. And they always supported me. And um, the second part is honestly, really the second part is like all the jobs that I've done, like mm-hmm. in my career have been in helping people and like providing good service. So that's something that I have transferred even over to my um, personal life as well. You know, I just interacting with people and treating people well. Mm. you really had good models growing up then yeah yeah i'm blessed to have them for sure very cool what has got you excited lately my friend Ooh, um summer is on the way that's that's the biggest one right there like i i left last summer anticipating this one like i'm so excited for some i'm excited um just to be able to get out there again you know hopefully as everything clears 
um, get out there and get to see everybody again. And really, I just want to take advantage of being able to be in the same space as all of my good friends and like, and just do stuff, like just spend time with folks and, and just live, like live 100%. That's what I'm super excited about. How about you? Well, for one, I'm actually really pumped about this podcast in general, the the podcast being a thing and that it's actually happening. I'm being able to like sit down, so to speak, virtually sit down with people like yourself and just have like conversations. I think that being able to pick people's brains and to learn from them and to learn from them experiences and to share that with people, I think is a really big gift. Uh, that's one piece of it. Another in general, I mean, you touched on it. One of the biggest things I'm pumped for again, is just like human interaction. I, I always knew that there was a part of me that had a certain level of like extrovertedness to me, but I realized that being in the company of others is when I truly allow myself to fully flourish. And it's very common for me to get caught up in like the mundane of everyday reality when I'm on my own. Cause I'm just like, oh, I gotta go, go, go. I gotta be disciplined. I gotta be focused. I gotta be top of my, on top of my grind. But the second that I get with people like, my level of being just starts to shine through and I, and I laugh more and I smile more and I engage more. So any, any opportunity I can take to, to reconnect with the people that I love and to spend time with them and also allow that, that spark that is me come to life. That, that always fills me up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, it's super cool. I mean, I I honestly I was super ex- excited about this podcast for a minute, and I remember um for a couple of days now I've been asking myself I was like, what do we go talk about? And I was that's what I kept asking myself. I'm like, <laughs> it's just it's funny because um it's just it's cool to see everything that you're doing and like also like how organic and how pure your message is and like how you really you really do extend your hand out and you help others and you offer to help other folks and like it's just cool because that's something that I recognize and that's something that I hear other people say all the time too like um every time we hear you coming to Jack's we're like oh man wolf coming oh man clear the way like everybody's just super stoked so yeah man you're the brother you're the brother till the end so definitely man you guys all got that energy up in Jacksonville honestly every single time I get the the opportunity to go and see you guys it I always leave feeling exactly how I hope I would leave. And that's being completely energized because every single one of you has just such a big, massive heart. And it brings me very present to the importance of having a good, strong community with people who care about you because my ability to show up that way for you guys, I believe is directly correlated with how this, the type of space that you hold, because if you didn't create a safe space, a container for people to be themselves, I couldn't show up as me. And if I couldn't show up as me, you probably wouldn't have that same experience of me. So I, I'm, I'm grateful that I, to some degree, outwardly show, like I am actually who I am, because uh, growing up, uh, I definitely had a really weak sense of self, and I didn't have that love and appreciation for myself whatsoever. And being able to be acknowledged by people and, and them actually see who I truly am on a selfish level, it's absolutely brilliant. But on like a level of soul, it calls me to want to continue living in alignment with that truth and deepening who it is or deepening my, my experience, my understanding of who it is that I am on like a soul level. Mm-hmm. 
you are a prime example of somebody who creates that safe space because i mean even the first time i ever interact with you is just like nothing but love it's just like yo like what are you working on like oh you're working on handstands okay cool like oh you're working on one arms like we just like go back and forth just bouncing ideas off each other it's like this fun little like ping pong alchemy thing that's kind of going on where we're slinging ideas back to each other like yo what do you think about this and now like we're like we're working on a, a movement project right now i'm so pumped about that we're finally doing something i feel like you and i have been like saying let's do all this cool stuff and it hasn't come into fruition but now it's starting to take it's starting to take wings and start to take flight i'm really pumped about it yeah i mean i um it's it's really cool that you mentioned about like coming into a space like that and that being new because when I started acro, especially like looking at my life, like when I was in college and I was first introduced to acro versus everything like before that, like um, it was night and day. Like, you know, like um, I came from awesome parents and I had great sisters, but when I went to school, like the friends that I had and some of the experiences that I had, they, they contrasted sharply mm -hmm. with where I am now so like when I came into a community like that I didn't really understand it like I was just like oh I was like everybody hugs each other and like the first class I went to I thought like you know nobody go talk to me so I was like I gotta have my own space and do my own thing but mm -hmm. people up and it was like what is your name like come over here you're in our group I was like whoa, 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 what is this, this is new. <laughs> like, I like I'm not used to this so like you know it's just it's cool because stuff like that saves people and also mm -hmm. like you said it allows people to really be themselves which is good for their soul you know i come like, um, to actually be able to be their full self and experience that i mean acro naturally does that but i am curious what was that contrast that you're referring to in regards to like you know being around certain friend groups like what was what was that experience like on, a, on like a deeper level so when I was growing up, it's funny because like when I was younger, like when I was in middle school, mm -hmm. I was like the smallest kid. Like Same. I went through a period. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I went through a period where like I was um I was getting getting a little bit thick, getting a little bit chubby. And then I went through a period where I got really skinny. And so like that made me super self-conscious, like really bad. And so like um, I had great friends at that time, wonderful friends that basically like, protected me and took care of me. But then I went from middle school and got dropped into high school. And, I, and I'll never forget um, when my mom was dropping me off, she was like, John, you going to A. Philip Randolph because you could be in IT and make yourself something great. And I was like, yeah, mom. And I get out of the car <laughs> and there's this guy getting jumped. Like this dude that's just getting jumped by like five guys. Jeez. And like, I remember looking like, is this the high school I'm going to? And like at the time that high school had just had like a riot where all the academies were fighting each other. Like it was terrible, it was on the news. And uh, I mean, I was like, how am I gonna survive like the next four years here? And um, yeah, like I just, I started making friends with folks that aligned with the image that I thought was powerful at the time. So. You know, like I just, I started to take on like a no smile policy. Um, you know, I didn't really want to get to know people. You know, I wanted to get to the top. I wanted to be the coolest guy. I wanted to have the best clothes, all that stuff, all the superficial things. And um, and one of the things I came across at that time was dance. 
which that kept me from really going to the deep end because it allowed me to express myself and get a lot of my emotions out. And uh, yeah, like just for years like that, as I grew and I got stronger, I was, I was going in the wrong direction. I was going in the direction of what I can get out of every interaction instead of actually looking at how I could provide service to others because that was a way to protect myself. It was just like, you know, how, how much can I move myself further so I don't have to get hurt like ever? And that's how I went on for like at least the first three years of high school. And then luckily senior year, things started to, you know, lighten up a bit, but still high school was a very, it was a very interesting time. I wore a lot of different hats. I mean, that's, that's a common thing to experience in high school is like the whole like struggle for identity and conformity is such a big thing because essentially what we're battling is figuring out who we are in, in conjunction with trying to make sure that we aren't the, the odd man out, especially if, especially if you don't have like a high level of self-awareness at that point, like there's a, a really strong visceral need, which probably goes back to like just our, our tribal nature, like being in community living in community and having people around us like just dating back to tribes time like you had these close-knit groups of people like we're biologically wired to want that connection so in high school we do anything we can to like almost like survive that it's like who do i need to be to make sure i fit in with this friend group i went through that heavily my experience of middle school into high school was all i ever wanted was like to fit in to be accepted that was like the number one prime directive. I remember in middle school, I did band because that's what everybody did. Mind you, I played, I, dude, I was, I was the runtiest runt of the litter. I, I maybe, maybe weighed 80-ish pounds by the time I was in eighth grade. Yeah. And I played the tuba. Oh, wow. The tube was as big as me. And I was lugging that thing around like a bad habit. It was not good. I mean, like I was good. I played well, but band teacher got me. He got me real good. He was just like, hey, I want you to know that tuba player is my favorite. <laughs> and that's how he got people to play the tuba because no one wanted to play the tuba. Oh, so, I played, so I played the tuba. And then come high school, I was like, I ain't playing the tuba no more. But I, I got in and and I got into sports, specifically football, because that was a cool thing you did. Everyone did football. If you were part of the cool kid group, you, you played football. And at that point in time, I had to have been, I think I was about four foot 11, 85 pounds. The first time I, that was when I got into weightlifting because I got into football. The first time I ever benched, I think I benched the bar. And I mean, my arms, if I could post a picture, like my arms were the size of my wrist. My entire arm was the size of my wrist currently, maybe even smaller yeah i look like like a little stick figure i look like if someone drew a stick figure that was me that was my body <laughs> it was a stick figure <laughs> did football yeah. the first year that that they they totally benched me hard even though i was like the fastest and had the best routes i really played receiver uh i didn't play anything really i played bench i played third string bench is what i played and that kind of kept going. That was what ultimately led to getting into competitive weightlifting and then competitive weightlifting also conjunctively later led to competitive cheerleading. And those were the two things that where I found like, kind of like, even now I have a different variation of it. And I think about it, like I do calisthenics and acrobatics and acro yoga. It's like a different off 
spin of cheerleading and the powerlifting I did in high school. But all of that ultimately led me to this later realization that I, I, I did, you know, I partied and, and I did drugs and I drank alcohol and I did all these things most of the time because I was just like wanting to escape the inner reality that I had, which was I didn't feel like I was enough unless mm-hmm. I, you know, could identify with the people around me. And inherently that only caused more pain and more suffering as a byproduct, which I think so many people struggle with in, in the like adolescent age and even into like going into college years and even beyond that, if it's not really fully dealt with. Oh yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's one of the things I want to go back to my high school and talk to them about is just how, you know, those things have to happen. Like, um, you do have to basically explore and, and learn who you are, but at the same time too, a lot of the things that you have to go through, like in years, like in the future, you know, they're not, they're not going to mean the same value. Like a lot of the stuff that I thought was so important in high school, like once I got out of high school, is like a big wake up call. Like I learned that you know, what's most important is what I think of myself and like how I carry myself and, and honestly, um, how I treat others. Mm. And you know, that's going to basically um, reflect back on me ultimately. And like, I didn't learn a lot of those things um, until I was out. But once I did, I was like, man, if I could go back and tell myself like some of the hardest days where I shut down, I was like, dude, this is, you're going to make it through this, man. You'll be all right. It's like, it's not that big of a deal as you think it is. But, you know, um, I'm glad for the struggles, though, that that I went through at those times because it allowed me to learn how powerful your own mind can play against you Mm -hmm. and also how it can damage other people if you're not careful, right? So, you know, at the time, I didn't enjoy it. But now, like, looking back, you know, it was all worth it. Definitely was. Even now... You have, I mean, you brought obviously some of the things that you learned in in high school with you because you said that you took on dance and you took on dance for a little while, but even now you're implementing dance or a version of dance or movement rather into your uh, daily practices now, right? Or at least in as your general regiment. Yeah, it's so it's funny because like a lot of the time some people learned that I did martial arts like way back in the day. We talk about like ancient John, like from elementary to like middle school to sort of got to high school and then dropped out of it at that point. So I I had gotten my first degree black belt. This is about the time I was a sophomore, but it was always something that I kept on the back burner because I remember my sensei he always said that it's not something that you want to put out there. Like it's something if you need it, you have it, but otherwise than that, you don't, you don't need to, you know, throw it out there. And I'm glad he said that because in those years, that was the time I was trying to throw anything out that made me seem, you know, more powerful, whatever. But I I honored that commitment with him by not sharing that with a ton of people. And so it's cool seeing a lot of it come back because um, even in my movement practice, like um, when I went from doing like Jeet Kune Do and American Freestyle, and then we did like kickboxing, um, I can see elements of that in movement culture. And then that's what led me to doing capoeira, which even further helped me see where just the movement, 
the movement groups out there are just pulling all of these in, these awesome styles together and creating something really beautiful from it. And so I've been experimenting with taking like my martial arts background and dance and trying to form that into something truly expressive. And it's just been a lot of fun. I didn't know you were messing with Jeet Kune Do and all those. Yeah, that's all when I learned you like Bruce Lee. I was like, wait a second. Oh, and yeah. I knew, yeah, I was like, man, yeah. Oh, I love it. This is one of the one of the greatest styles I personally believe, just because like reading his books, like the um the Dao Jeet Kundo, like um just seeing how he came up with the principles of it by actually experimenting with different styles. Mm-hmm. and starting down the weaknesses and the advantages of them i thought that was way ahead of its time like just really smart to be that invested and passionate that you would sit down or even in a hospital bed like write notes on something like that for hours and just like theorize about it it's just crazy you know it's amazing my dad was telling me a little about his his story from what he remembers i'm not that i'm quotable on this but uh he was trained as i understand it by Ip man one of his senseis was Ip man and Ip man for those of you who don't know is just a royal badass in the realm of of yeah. ass kickery that is martial arts i actually think that uh bruce lee wasn't i think he was considered the original person or one of the original people who actually coined the term mma because jeet kundo was essentially saying that, for example, he, as I understand it, one of his main fundamental learning or learning uh, MMA practices was uh, Kung Fu. And mm. as I understand, Kung Fu is very uh, rigid in terms of like you have these very specific poses and these very specific ways of holding it. Yeah. And, and it, to deviate from that, it's kind of like that you kind of get like hit with a stick. It's like, no, you missed that one up. Like you got to go back and redo it. And when you know kung fu masters are all like rigid and like holding these like you know crane pose and all these things bruce lee's in the in the ring like kind of like bouncing around and they're like what are you doing he's just like i'm i'm flowing like he's like in, like in his own little like flow state and uh, as i understand it he noticed in his practice i actually started listening to uh, his the podcast that his daughter now runs and talking about oh, his wow. work yeah, yeah. She, she has a podcast on his work and actually breaking down some of the philosophies that he talked about, like, you know, be like water and, you know, like what it is to to really embody that, like, you put water in a cup, it becomes a cup, you put water in a bowl, it becomes a bowl, you put water in a teapot, it comes in a teapot. She goes into, like, all the philosophy of it. It's really, really cool. She tells his story and the story of how the, uh, how they, she, they lost rights to it because his, her mom sold the rights to the Bruce Lee Foundation, but like for years the daughter was fighting for it and finally got full rights back and everything. So it's like back in the family. But yeah, it's really cool. There's a really cool story to it. But um, they were telling the story of how like he so revolutionized, as you mentioned, MMA because he was taking all these styles and and saying like, yeah, this works for me, this works for me, that doesn't work for me. I'm gonna put that one back, and was able to turn into Jeet Kune Do, which as I understand it as well, it was one of those things that he didn't want to actually create a mixed martial art fighting style because fundamentally what he was saying is that it is the art, there is the style of no style. It is the the martial art form of no form. And I think when you translate Jeet Kune Do, it actually translates something like the the art of no form or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it is. Because he didn't, he didn't want to give it like a title or anything. Because at that point, it's um, 
is it basically has a weakness. Like he wanted yes. people to be adaptable completely to like a, any scenario. And I mean, it's so cool because a lot of the, the different documentaries I watched on him, like what he did at that time was really bold because a lot of the masters, you know, they had so much tenure at that time that they questioned their techniques of and course. to try to come up with their own. Like it was just a, it was a big no-no. And like, I mean, obviously as we've seen him sparring folks, they have nothing on that man. He has some unbelievable speed. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just everything about it, the mental, the physical, all of it, um, it's just amazing. It's just, it's crazy. I actually looked it up. It's, it's called the, the Way of the Intercepting Fist, which brings me to one of my curiosities. Are you familiar with Wing Chun? Yes. We, um, we did with Lee Barden, because I used to go to this place called um, Karate Arts, and Lee talked all the way up until he passed, which he passed some a couple of years ago. Um, but he talked like a long time. I met him when I was very young. And uh, I remember with that guy having some of the best laughs of my life, being super inspired. He was like a second dad for me. And also being terrified of him as well. <laughs> He'll whoop that ass. <laughs> yeah, man. Like when you sparred him, it was like this. And so depending on what energy you brought in, like if you felt confident, he was gonna fight you like you're confident. And if you were being, you know, mindful and you were timid, he would bring it down. But as I got older, I was like, I think I figured this guy out and it never worked every time. <laughs> technique where he would draw back. And he was basically stand like this. And so I knew if I went for his face or his jaw, he was going to parry it real quick, probably hit me with a counter. But while I was thinking of this and I was moving around, he would already just whack me with a back fist, like hard. And by the time I looked, he disappeared. And this guy got all the way around the other side and he was laughing. And I'm like, man, I can't, I can't crack this guy. I can't figure him out. And he was just always an excellent fighter, like, it's just, it's cool, but I learned some really good things from him. Yeah, but we um, learned Wing Chun as a foundation to protect our center line. Mm -hmm. And so as we were younger, he taught us that to basically protect ourselves against somebody who is much stronger and also how to make sure people couldn't break past our line to protect all our vital organs in our face. And then as we started to get older, he started to teach us how to utilize that form but also move around it at the same time and so yeah wing chun is like so much fun Love it. i always um, wanted to get into it i thought the whole concept of as i understand with jeet kune do and wing chun is uh, in traditional uh like say boxing it's you know a lot of times you're like blocking but one thing that my dad so my dad did mixed martial arts for like 20-ish years and he said that you always number one want to do your best to try and avoid any kind of strike However, in mm. as I understand, I think Wing Chun and Chi uh, Kune Do is more about I don't want to block it because that sucks, and I can uh, I can kind of like avoid it. But if I can get really good at redirecting it, which hence the way of the intercepting fist, I can actually use your energy against you. I can take what you're shooting at me and I can redirect it, and then also then come back with a counter because I've now mispositioned you by using what you've already given me, which I thought was a really brilliant 
uh, a really brilliant way to, to really play with it. I haven't done any formal martial arts and I, I really want to, because I have a, I have a feeling that not only would it be, you know, great for like physical health and stamina and things like that, but the type of discipline and the superior level of focus that you have to have when doing that, like there's no time for you to be worried about if your laundry's done or if you, you know, if you cook dinner, like you're like, I need to make sure I don't get punched in the throat <laughs> in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I I enjoyed fighting so much. Um, and I think that's why I enjoy acro the same because it's like when you're doing certain movements, so like when you're sparring somebody, for example, you have to be there in that situation. You can't be nowhere else. Like you could have you could have had an argument with um with like somebody you love, or you could have just like lost a hundred dollars. But when you're in a fight. That's all you're thinking about. Like nothing exists at that point. And I still remember like sparring people and there could have been a crowd of people around like at tournaments or even um, like when I was testing for my black belt, like we had like 60 people in there. I didn't remember hearing anybody, like each person I fought. Like, all I remember was I was able to hear their steps. I was watching them. That was the only thing I was paying attention to. Like, there could have been a car on fire and I probably wouldn't have noticed until like after a certain point, but it's, it's like that. It just brings you in and you gain a lot of respect for the people you fight. That's one of the things I'm, yeah. I'm always surprised about is when you spar somebody, you really get to know them. And that's why like in the Matrix, when Seraph said like, you don't really know anyone until you fault them. It's really true because you learn how they react under like stressful situations. Like, you know, so if you're fighting somebody, you hit them and they just take it and they just get right back in. You're like, oh, this person's serious. And it's like, <laughs> it's fun. Like, it's like, it's like a, my sons, they always said it's a game of chess that hurts pretty much. So like, you have to pick and choose what, like, if you go take a shot, what type of shot you willing to take? Because mm -hmm. I may take a gut shot to get a face shot. I may like let you go for a shot to basically, like you said, to intercept it and get a lock. It just depends on what you're trying to get. Like, it's really how it come down. Like, what you're trying to get, what you're trying to give. Mm -hmm. So fun though. You would love it though. Yeah, man. It's Wang Chun is great. Um, it's um, uh, it's like you said though. What I think you said, your dad said it. It's true. There's not any dodges in Wang Chun primarily. A lot of it is based around like. A lot of it is based around like you'll see certain positions here, like here, and basically it's around these center points of protection. So you have the hand that's the closest, and then you have the hand that's behind. And you'll see some people change a variation where they'll do a bong sal with it, which really I feel like that's more aesthetics. But I mean, it's just like in boxing where you see people do a box shape. You can do a bong style because if they throw a jab or a cross, you can roll it off here and it'll go right past your face. But I always like this method because it made it easier for me to grab and then basically get a quick shot in. So everybody have their method of like how they like to position. But it's cool because once you have this position and your arms know what to do, it's really going to be difficult for the person to get in without you getting a shot as well. And it's really what it's designed around. Mm. is to deflect the shot and then basically do like maximum damage as you can, whether it be an elbow or just a straight shot to the face, throat, ears, nose. It's just getting in there and, and doing damage quickly.
And that's why I love it. It's, it's, just, it's, it's beautifully efficient if you can move right with it. Because I don't like the traditional toes in, square up, because it puts you in a position where you can't move. But I love to see somebody know the principles of it, like some UFC fighters I've seen, where they know it, and they know like the pop style and lop style, how to lock it down, but they also know how to move too. It just make it really effective. It's wonderful to watch. Hmm. I have to jump into it sometime. <clears throat> I'm I'm not super rehearsed on it. Mostly now lately, I've been playing with animal flow as it pertains to like calisthenics and kind of blending those two together. A lot of inspiration from your work, obviously. What do you find in in the climate in the world that we're living in? Everything else. What do you think? is becoming ever more present for us in this point in life to really be putting our attention and our energy to because it seems like with everything going on with this you know pandemic corona that's going around the world that people are having more time for reflection and more time to go inwards what are you finding is at the forefront of our minds now while wow, this is what's most important to me in this moment um i think my decision with this comes from the fact that I'm seeing both people who are in um, positions in life where they've been very successful, and then also folks who are, are finding their way. I think a lot of people, the majority of people on earth are figuring out right now the gravity that fear has, like how damaging it can be. Um, not to say that the issue at hand is not one that we shouldn't take seriously, but it's to say that we have to, if we're going to undergo fear, we have to understand it and we have to put measures in place that will make us feel safer and make each other feel valued and safer rather than, you know, letting fear cause us to become more compulsive mm -hmm. and greedful and um, even allow us to damage good things that we have going for us. Like I've seen um, the fear from everything that's going on lately destroy relationships. I've seen it cause people that normally would look out for other folks only look out for themselves. And that's something that I think a lot of people are waking up to is that we're not the only things that exist and we're not the only people here. And sometimes fear can cause us to do unreasonable things and destroy things that were otherwise going to be okay. You know, um, you know, I really have respect for all of the leaders that with everything stacking against them and the hard calls they have to make, that they're, um, they're making decisions that may not make them the most popular, but it's what has to be done. Mm -hmm. And at the same time that they're willing to speak out and, and undergo um, chastisement um, to make sure people have like the right amount of ventilators or equipment necessary. Like it's, it's amazing seeing how the love and compassion is really starting to break through like amidst something that is very concerning and, and scary at the same time. So yeah, like I think everybody's just realizing what fear can do to you or what it can do for you, depending on how you want to swing it. I mean, wouldn't you say though, it fundamentally comes down to a choice? Cause like in any kind of instance where you have some kind of sensory information come into your brain, whether it's you see something, you hear something 
and your brain interprets it or whatever, however uh, it ends up shaking out, we always have a choice to, to decide how we are going to respond to the situation. And, you know, like for me, for example, I did a pretty decent job in the beginning of this of my first step in this was full-blown ignorance and naiveness. Cause like, it just like, it didn't occur to me as something that was going to be like a really big deal. It wasn't about till two and a half, three weeks ago when I was just like, Oh, there really might be something to this. And then now obviously in the state we're in now, there's, it's a, a bit more up front and center. And there was points for the most part where I really did a good job of keeping myself out of like the thick of, of the, of the noise and everything that was going around. But the second that I subdued to it, it was almost as if I had embodied the collective energy of everything that was going on because I got real dense. I got real heavy. It became really difficult to do seemingly simple tasks because my brain was just at war with itself. And I, I think it's this common thing. It's not just this, but in general, it showed me and I'm sure it showed many people that fear has the capacity to completely cripple us if we let it. Mm-hmm. But if we can see it and call it by name and say, I see you. And for whatever reason that this is showing up, whether it's what's really beneath my fear is, you know, is like, I'm afraid of death or I'm afraid of genuinely being by myself in an isolated place for an extended period of time and not knowing what will happen with myself. Cause I usually am not having to be that all of these different fears are, I think in their own ways, tiny little blessings if we allow them to be because they can really show us what hasn't been dealt with in the deepest part of our psyche and our beings or it can literally tear us to shreds because we continue to not get the lesson and ultimately as you said like leaning into love how can i find more ways to love because i know for myself like honest to god truth and i'm not this is not one of my most endearing qualities i'm very present to it but when i get to real survival state like real like sympathetic nervous system flight or flight response stuff i get very self-centered i get like i need like what so for example i was at the beach probably about a month a month and a half ago with some friends and we're hanging out the beach everything's all well and then i look over to the right and my buddies are sitting next to the car but they're facing towards me the car's behind them and i'm just turning my buddy i'm just like bro why is there smoke coming out of your car door window right now in that moment, we like completely snapped and realized that the inside of his car was on fire. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it got real. Like, it, like we went from like, you know, I've been hanging out, having a good time hanging on the beach to your car's on fire. What the hell? We're at the beach in a public place. Like, what do we do type thing? And I remember in that moment, like, while they, they immediately like pick things up, we're trying to bang on the window, trying to get into it. Like I was like trying to like get in through all the doors and things like that, trying to open up, nothing was working. And then like, finally, after some time, like very fortunate, like I just happened to pull another door one more time and it opened. One of my buddies immediately like, reached in the car, grabbed what was on fire, like the, rather like the melted piece of what was on fire threw it and the uh, sand like really messed up his hands and uh, I remember distinctly that in the beginning of that experience where they like shot up into action I actually froze like my body froze I froze and like my immediately my thought went to holy crap like we could die like this could be the end like this is like our group of people like 
what if this car explodes? Like all of those things start to come up and it took me some time before I actually started to move, but it really showed me that, whoa, like when you, when you get put in that space of fear, you really start to get present to what your programming is. And at that point for me now, I saw them like, man, like the way that I responded to that situation was not my favorite. I got really focused on myself and making sure that I was taken care of and, you know, everything was happening there. But in reality, like I want to be the one that in the face of something like that is able to like do whatever I got to do to show up to take care of my people. Because if that person shows up in another instance, say I'm in the house with like my family and it lights on fire, like I can't be the person who runs the door. Like I got to take care of my family. Like I got to stand up for them. I got to do what's necessary. Same thing if, you know, we're out in the public and like someone cracks a you know bottle open and about to you know go for blood like you know obviously i'm going to like a really far extent here but i want to make sure that i'm the person or the type of person that is going to show up for my people in the face of whatever happens and like you know obviously this is getting like pretty into some heavy stuff but fear and its capacity to like put us into these triggered states it can really show us who we are on an animal level but mm-hmm. we always have a choice yeah I mean, I agree. I um, that's why I feel like it's it's really how you use it because um, you know, some folks believe that that we shouldn't experience fear. We should get to a point where we should not. But I still believe at the core of it that it's a valuable tool because if you learn to basically respond to it and use it as a source to get you to move or make a decision or that you know. You know, like I've heard stories of people that have ran into burning buildings and saved people. Like, I mean, in your natural state, you know, who's going to do that? <laughs> if that's your child in there, like, I mean, if my son, God forbid, if my son is in a burning building, I'm going in now. I don't yep. care nobody. I'm, I'm going to figure it out once I'm on the inside. I may not get out, but I'm going to figure out how to get him out. And that's, that's the thing. Like, um, at that point, I really feel like you say you're, you're tapping into that inner programming, but somewhere in there, you're making a decision that either I'm going to stay here and wait things out, or I'm going to go in there and, and figure this out. And, you know, I don't know, like I always think about the scene from um, the dark Knight rises where the whole time he is trying to get like out, Bruce was trying to get out of the prison. Mm-hmm. He was trying to get out using anger. And the doctor told him that the only way you go get out of here is if you climb without the, the rope or the harness, basically. Because when he had it, he felt safe. So he didn't feel like I have to get up this wall. But sometimes when you don't when you don't leave yourself a choice, you have to do the impossible at that point. And I think the more people can tap into that and understand that over, I mean, thousands of years, I mean, how we have basically come to what we are. Um, just way over time, there are things in place that we haven't unlocked yet that can help us even through the darkest of periods. And that's honestly what I feel now. Like a lot of people have said that 2020 was was supposed to be an awakening. I still think it is. I think oh, it is. is making people face things that they, I mean, I face things through this that I, I would have not faced if this didn't happen. Like um, just the amount of work I've been able to do at home, being in front of yourself for days on end where you can't really escape because you can't be involved in activities and do stuff. That's a lot. Like that's a lot to have to look at where you are and and just look at what you want to do, where your dreams are, and basically make a choice. Like you're saying, either I'm going to pursue this stuff 
or I'm just go chill and just not do anything and just go wait it out. And I think a lot of people are getting that call when they're choosing to go after what they want. You know, they're realizing there's not going to be a perfect time. The time is when you decide and you allow that bridge to build itself, you know, based on your actions. Mm. I mean, just as you point out, there's, there's never been a better time because honestly, I this is one of the things that I struggle with. One of the things I struggle with is the duality or the polarity, so to speak, of like go and like, you got to live like you're dying. I don't know who sang that song, but uh, you think you know what I'm talking about, like early 2000s hit, like, you know, do we go and do we live every day as if it's going to be our last, like the whole, like, hey, if you were given like, you know, three months to live or a month to live, like, what would you do? Like, how would you live your life? Like, what, what would be important at that point? Like, all of a sudden, like your values and what becomes so pertinent starts to shift, I would imagine. How do, how do we live between that experience of wanting to be so present and live every single day like it's going to be our last, but also being like future oriented enough to be able to have a vision and a goal to work towards? This is one thing that I struggle with because, you know, for example, in that car incident with lit on fire, in that moment, I was like, I could die right now. And the things that flashed through my head was, damn, I, I really wish I would have loved my family more and told my, my friends more, to, like been more frequent about telling the people in my life how much I love them and how I wish I had cherished the moments more and how I, I wish I could have gotten a better wrap around my head so I could have been present in conversations versus twiddling off into random fits of thought patterns because I, for whatever reason, like there's something in my thoughts that's more important than being here in this present moment with John Boyd doing this podcast. Like, being able to ground oneself in, I need to live for this moment, but I also need to make sure that I'm being conscious of my future. This is a battle that I've currently haven't fully surrendered to because, and not that I can say I've had a full life or death experience because it really wasn't nearly as epic as I'd like for it to seem like it was, but there does come a point where you have to question like, world goes into pandemic maybe you you know you have your own experience of like fear of losing your own life and things like that what becomes important what becomes front and center and how do we keep those lessons in front of us and not let it just be like all right cool like corona's ended now let's go back to life as normal and you know continue doing all these unconscious behaviors of unconscious consumption and over taking things in and constantly stimulating ourselves to avoid the deep pains that we feel inside viscerally when uh there's all this deep work to do. And now that people are being left to themselves and having to deal with themselves, people, you know, there's, you know, there are a great majority of people or population of people who are going and creating now, but there's also like a big population of, of us, which I've been there myself included, where it's like, it almost gets to like apathetic, like, well, crap, like, excuse me, what do I, what do I do? Like what I've never had to have, had to think anything other than, you know, just making sure I'm paying my bills and going to work. Like there's this constant preoccupation in our minds of all the things that we're supposed to be keeping up with. But when you remove all that and set it all to the side, what's important, how do I manage now? And although I also manage the future without getting complacent with either one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's actually, really fascinating you pointed that out that for a lot of folks this is way different than what they've been used to for like 5 10 15 years like some folks have been used to you know wake up i make my coffee probably get breakfast i go straight to work that's about 8 hours for me <laughs> to get home 
you know, I get home and I watch Stranger Things or something. I don't know. Like, it's, 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 you know, I think about somebody like that and I think about where they are, especially, unfortunately, for all the people that have lost their jobs, you know, like in this. And it's just like, it's when things like this happen, if, if I could always, what I always tell people on the phone, especially like with where I work at now, where I have to talk to people almost every day where they're really facing heavy medical issues or um, situations that are life-threatening. If somebody's really going through it, I always ask them, I say, what lesson do you think life is trying to teach you right now? And some people just haven't got a chance to really think about that. Like, what is life priming me for here? You know, and what is it trying to prepare me for? Or like, what is it trying to show me? Because I remember one thing I learned about, um, this is like years back um, when I was going through some things, but I forgot who said it, but they said what we think is our lowest is not our lowest at all. Like any time that we have thought that we have hit the lowest point, um, really what that is is a place to build a foundation. And it's, it's something that you're supposed to come back from with a lesson above all. And I, and I think that's what's so important for people right now to understand is that you know, if you're still here, if you're still breathing, you have an opportunity to create um, the life that you want. It may not happen right away, but you can choose what you do from this day forward and that you can take steps to improve things. And somebody out there always love you. That's, that's always a given. That's somebody something we never out there always said. love you. Yeah, somebody does. Somebody. Who knows? It could be Steve, Harry, Trudy, <laughs> Pam. I don't know. Somebody love you out there. I think that this is a, a really nice place to start putting the, the button on uh, this conversation, my friend. It's been so real. What um, If you could leave somebody with one thing, one lesson, one idea, one action, or one anything that could you know, have an impact in, in where they're at, maybe they're, you know, they're unsure of, you know, where to go in life right now, or there's uncertainty, or they're feeling lost, or they're feeling discouraged, or they're just like, man, I just need like a little pick me up, or something to kind of like push them in, in towards the direction of, you know, really capitalizing on, you know, this life that we have, you know, what if this is, you know, if we were really playing the game, the idea, like, this is the one life, this is the one life we got, like, if we're just going to embody that for a little bit, like, I've got one life, it's all I got, I don't know when I'm going to go, how can I now live as an expression of the the highest and greatest expression of the truth within me um uh something that i have to remind myself almost every day um and i would even encourage if you really haven't like let's say if even this this week starting out is already pretty tough um one of the things that you'll want to adopt is the mindset that life happens for you like um you don't want to think of things that things are happening to me, like things are happening for you. And what that does is it allows you to realize that there's an abundance of everything that you want out there. There's enough of it for everyone, number one. There's enough. I mean, there's enough for you. And you are more than capable of getting it as long as you can believe in yourself. You can do anything. So no matter where things go, what happens, that things in life happen for you to help you grow in some sort of way. 
and ultimately is your choice on how you write this book that you have. That's the most important thing to understand is that you're the author. Um, just make a good book out of it because there's forces out there that are looking out for you and you just got to believe. You got to believe in the ultimate love that's out there and it's always been there. We are the captains of our ships. We got nothing but love, people. If we got nothing else, we got love. I got nothing for anyone. Just go tell one person how much you love and appreciate them. Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken to a little while. Uh, but uh, from the bottom of my heart, to each and every one of you, I love you to death. John Boyd, I love you so much, friend. I'm so grateful for our journey thus far. I know we're going to do some spectacular stuff together. And I'm just, I'm humbled. I'm deeply, deeply humbled to be able to have this type of experience with you, with anybody who's listening to, to have this moment. I'm very grateful. Yo, thank you, brother, man. I love you too. And we got some Wing Chun things to do also. We got still... some fun things to do. We're going to get some fun movement flow going on. I love it. Yeah. Yo, thank you once again, though. Like, um, it's like I said before, what you're doing is absolutely beautiful. You're helping so many people. And, uh, and honestly, this is something that for anybody, once again, that's listening, like, this is definitely, this is in this guy right here. Like, um, he absolutely has been a amazing stand-up person for all of his friends. And honestly, I couldn't imagine my life without knowing you. So, honestly, I feel like I knew you for a long time. But <laughs> I, I just knew you for a long time. So, that's what I'm going to say. I'm pretty sure y'all going to feel the same way, too. Our soul's been fist bumping <laughs> for a little while. You have to check us out somewhere on social media. We're going to be doing some cool stuff together. It's going it's gonna to yeah. be sick. It's going to be sick. My friend, I love you. Thank you for anyone who's listening. Love you so much. Please, if you do nothing else, please continue to follow your wolf, to follow the wolf within you. That means, in short, do what you love. Find yourself. Love yourself. Mm -hmm. And anything that's not that, yeah, let that shit go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love you guys. You guys have a good one. Peace.